0: all hunters welcome back to what are we called again supernatural <laughs> books the <laughs> winchesters and pros i'm lane i'm diane and we have a special guest for you all this week you know him from monster of the week and if you if you're not listening to monster of the week what are you doing go listen to it they're awesome <laughs> thank you jeremy greer welcome to the show hi Yay. hey thank
1: you guys for having me thank you so much this is uh, a nice a nice surprise that I get to talk about Supernatural with somebody that's not Chris Mosher, my co-host over at Monster <laughs> the Week.
0: So. Yeah, boo, who needs Chris? Who needs yeah, Chris?
1: I've been saying that, that since we Chris. started, so don't worry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Jeremy was kind enough to uh, not only track down this book, but pretty much catch up to where we are in two settings. And uh, we send our condolences for taking in that much of this book at one time. But you're, you're a tough guy. You got through it
1: i did you're golden i'm uh i'm even like kind of tempted to finish it <laughs> even, for no reason <laughs> uh chris and i have talked about covering the books on our podcast uh, if we ever run out of the tv show uh which obviously we will soon um but the the idea like it's 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 not a very good book and they've got two plot lines going neither of them are very interesting but like i've i've got that I'm an avid book reader so if I start a book it's really difficult for me not to finish it and I'm trying to talk myself out of it like I have so much other things I could be doing with my life than finishing this book so
0: I mean you're already more than halfway through it
1: is it oh wow it is that short okay so I could probably finish this today if I really wanted to but I'm not going to do that
0: <laughs> why are you talking into
2: reading it That's, <laughs> because misery loves company That's true it's
1: so <laughs> uh, but yeah this, this is a pretty miserable book huh
0: yeah, um, <laughs> it's long suffering. Well, I was happy that they we don't get much talk of parking in these in these chapters. Yeah, but stuff actually happens
2: in these two chapters, I think. But it's mostly um, what did Dean call it? Something about angst. Their daily allotment of angst.
1: Yeah, e- emo angst, which I really like. Like, please, Dean, tell me all you know about emo immediately. I have to know.
0: <laughs> so. Chapter 11, uh, we start off at the Afiri house on a- and I started to write Saturday morning, but it's actually past noon, uh, which is about the time that Dean's rolling out of bed. And uh, he's surprised to find that Sam and Manfred are still asleep. So being Dean, he gets a picture of Sam drooling, but it's gonna be what, like, uh, it's not gonna be HD, not- in 2006 or whatever this is
2: i'm just picturing okay so like when they moved to the bunker do you think dean like has all these things stored on multiple phones pictures of sam (laughs) that he has like on the wall of his room (laughs) in the bunker he
0: has an old photo bucket account where he keeps
2: them
1: all absolutely yeah there's a tumblr that dean (laughs) has made that is no longer active because it got hit with the uh all of the not safe for work stuff a couple years ago but he had he had a whole blog of of funny and graphic sam pranks that he has pulled over the years and doesn't anymore (laughs) Before
0: we should go much further, I should ask, like, what do you think of the of chapters one through ten that you have read recently?
1: Um, like it's it's so I, I guess I should confess I read the first chapter of this a long time ago. Like I had downloaded the sample from Amazon and was so put off by the first chapter and it's just relentless New York love fest that it was doing that I just didn't bother to buy it or read it. So, uh, yeah, the the first ten chapters are okay. It's it's very weird that they do like super specific callbacks to the TV show, um, and, and weird meta ways too. Like there's a, there was a moment where they were like, yeah, you know, there's other th- there's better things you can watch on Thursdays than NCIS or whatever. And I'm like, I mean, really? Call- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then um, for whatever reason, there's a Dresden Files reference at some point, and I just like I just don't know what this guy is doing because it's a lot of like New York. Like, super, I love New York, look at this, like, this cool music stuff that I know, and this, like, dive bar that's so cool, and then it's a lot about parking, and it's just very little about Sam and Dean hunting ghosts so far, and I I didn't even realize, I thought I was, like, the first third of the book, Uh, and looking at it now, I'm, like, being over halfway at the point, and we're just seeing a ghost is ridiculous, (laughs) like, it's crazy, so... I can't really say that they're good or particularly well-written is the short answer to your question, Lane.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, but- like, I moved ahead a couple chapters last night and had to stop myself because they, like, changed... He changes the book again. No!
0: Oh, chapters.
1: God.
2: <laughs> and I was just like, wait, we're doing it from whose perspective now?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to chapter 11. And I had to get a chuckle uh, because... Dean takes a shower and goes to do his laundry and I, I get a chance now to say that he's doing his and Sam's clothes, including Sam's gigantic darks into the laundry. <laughs>
1: I do like that this guy, I need probably need to look up the author's name. I've already forgotten. Um, but this guy talks a lot about how big Sam is. Like, it, I think there's a part in this chapter where he's like, his his long legs allow him to take the stairs three at a time. And I'm like, yeah, more graphic detail about just how much of a gigantic boy this dude is.
2: <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure. Like, I don't know. Because, like, for me, the, these couple chapters, I was like, is
0: does he ship Sam and Dean? I'm wondering because there's a lot of detail about Sam coming downstairs with just his pants. There's like the to me it read like a bad fan
2: fiction, where it's like you know sheepish smiling at each other and like fighting but not fighting, and it's just like is this a, is this a couple fight? This feels like a couple's fight.
1: <laughs> yeah, this definitely reads like bad fan fiction in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, <laughs> I mean technically, like it's official. Yeah,
1: yeah it's
2: licensed yeah, fan fiction.
0: <laughs> So, uh,
2: I don't
0: know if he was a fan. No, he was a fan. Remember the remember the uh, acknowledgements at the beginning? Oh, right, right, right. right. So, so he sits on the couch with Sam's laptop and uh, starts researching that crazy guy's Poe website. Uh, Arthur Gordon Pym has a bunch of Edgar Allan Poe stories, which Dean starts to read while drinking coffee. And this is where we start hearing about all the different coffee mugs that Manfred has. Uh, We're not talking about parking this chapter, but we're talking about coffee mugs. So uh, this one is the the IBM, the Italian by marriage coffee mug. And there was a reference also to the "Kiss Me, I'm Irish." So there's two coffee mugs in this paragraph.
1: Have you, uh, have the two of you spoken at length about the quality? Like, what kind of coffee this dude must be serving to Sam and Dean for it to be like talked about so much? Like, is this?
2: We had a long argument. (laughs) <laughs> because it seems like Sam and Dean are the ones making the coffee, and we had a long argument over the authors' viewpoints of how they take
0: their coffee. Because mm-hmm. he wrote, uh, Sam as having like the really overly sweet frou frou drinks, and Dean being the like the black coffee. And like I think that'd be the other way around. Because Dean has such a sweet tooth, so I don't I don't know your opinion i
1: clipped clipped that uh that section and posted it in the uh, monster of the week discord uh, because it was just it was so ridiculous because at one point sam talks about how on a job he actually drank hot sulfur at one time yes (laughs) and i was just like what you you can't that's not something you come back from my man like you don't just like take a little (laughs) sippy and then like okay i'm fine because i'm sam winchester um but yeah I, i i think in the show we've seen dean make fun of sam um, and i don't know where you guys are the show so apologies uh but i think we've seen dean make fun of sam for having a latte or something um and then like all this coffee stuff just seems like the an, an author insertion of just I, I, I like my coffee this way and you know my wife or my partner likes my their coffee this way So yeah
0: very true because because uh dean thinks the coffee is just the bee's knees and uh, apparently he loves this coffee so it's kind of interesting at least to get the two perspectives from the different brothers about how this coffee actually tastes it's either amazing or it tastes like hot sulfur so weird (laughs) i feel like in the show they've always just used sam as like kind of a foil for
2: whatever is popular at the time so like i could see him drinking whatever like the new hipster drink is Mm -hmm. but
0: i'm still surprised though that dean told him that a gin and tonic is a girly drink that doesn't strike me as a girly drink
1: no not at all i'm a huge fan of gin and tonics that's one of my cocktails of choice um and i I like a a classic g and t is like like a classic like gentleman's drink like thinking from the 40s and 50s and stuff like where the idea that this is a girly drink comes from i have is i have no idea like if you want to put an umbrella in something then Even then, like, why are you even bothering gendering drinks and making fun of people for drinking them? Like, who cares if they want something sweet? But like, what? Where do you get off calling a gin and tonic? (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Like, I've never had a gin and tonic, but I would like to try one. Diane and I actually talked about, like, oh, we should try these cocktails that you hear about but you never have tried. But I have never, in the history of my life, thought that gin and tonic was a girly drink. So yeah. So screw you, Keith R A DeCandido. (laughs)
2: The fact that you can say his name still blows my mind. I forget who he is half the time. That? Oh, yeah, the author.
0: Yeah. So um, Sam stumbles downstairs and heads to the kitchen and returns with a Dilbert mug. So that's uh, the third mug description so far. It's the last time you heard the name Dilbert. <laughs> and uh, Dean proceeds to tell him that murder on the room Morgue is the worst piece of crap he has ever read in his life. Well, apparently he's never read this book. I'm kidding. Uh-huh, um, but, uh, so Sam defends it by saying that without it, we probably wouldn't have CSI. And uh, and then we yeah the thing
2: we talked about earlier that Jeremy noticed was
0: there's better things, better on, things Thursday on Thursday. Thursday.
1: The thing with Dean uh, when he's thinking about the book, um, he he thinks that the opening was just stultifying and I had to look this word up and I think I consider myself relatively well read and educated and I just the idea of Dean Winchester using a word like stultifying to describe a book is completely laughable to me.
2: Yes. For me it's like you can tell the guy's like I have an English degree. I have I'm a thesaurus. <laughs> well like i have the kindle version and i don't know if in your guys's books but like they actually have it in italics same in the mm-hmm. kindle version and like when i said so if i don't understand a word uh especially in the context i will highlight it and it'll pop up like here's what it means and i'm just like i popped it up in the dictionary it's like i don't think that's a word <laughs> <laughs> and then wikipedia was like
0: i think it means this dean what are you doing I had forgotten completely about Detective McBain. I actually had to go back and remind myself who she was. Because I guess between recordings, I try to scrub my memory of what I've read. But she was the one who broke into the, uh, caught the boys breaking into the house where the victim was bricked up behind a wall. And then she surprised them by knowing who their father was and helping them actually to finish breaking and entering. Uh, so now as Sam and Dean are discussing her, Dean says that he can't believe that their dad hadn't ever told them about her.
2: They opened the can of dad worms.
0: Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> it's time for dad chat. I love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sam says, well, he didn't tell us about the roadhouse. He didn't tell us about Ellen or Joe or Ellen's husband. He didn't tell us about, okay. Dean's like, okay, yeah, all right, whatever.
2: Okay, but there's like three pages of the dad didn't tell us this. And then the conversation flips and Sam is now defending his dad, further towards the end of the conversation.
0: The conversation goes all over the place. And at one point, I was thinking, what the hell was Sam's point of the conversation? Which is funny because it actually showed up in the book. Dean was like, he forgot what Sam's point was. We all forgot what Sam's <laughs> point was in this. So Sam goes on, you know, it's like he says, I was thinking back to when we were at Bobby's and had Meg trapped in the circle. And he goes on to say, I'll never forget the look on Bobby's face when he told us that, and he said, You can't tell. He couldn't believe we couldn't recognize the signs. And I don't remember that coming up really again in, in the episodes, do you, Jeremy? About people being able to just look at a person and realize that they're they're uh, possessed.
1: No, I don't I don't remember that. But I mean I mean we're in season eleven for the podcast and it's been like Two yeah. or three years now since, I, since since I watched season two. Even though I've watched those early seasons quite quite a few times, I don't I don't remember anything specifically coming out about this. Like eventually, they just like start throwing holy water on every single person that they meet, so they can figure out if they're a demon or not.
0: Yeah,
2: like they do mention in this, and I don't remember them mentioning it in the show. I do remember like Bobby explaining to them like Hey, this is a possessed person," but like I I don't. Dean basically was saying he always thought that. Meg was a demon that they used some sort of maybe like illusion or something to be like oh I look like this but that's like still a demon instead of like a demon in a person's body
0: oh is that what he meant by you can't tell like this is actually a girl yeah I think I I do kind of have a like a tingling of remembrance of that
2: like this is a possession not an actual demon
0: okay yeah so it almost is like the author took that and misinterpreted it as well Oh. Hmm. So uh, Sam goes on saying that was something dad could have taught us, but he didn't, you know, he's kind of complaining about all the things that their dad hadn't taught them.
2: I would like to say, though, I think the reason, quote unquote, dad didn't teach them is because the writers at the time, I think, were just learning as they went.
0: Yeah, they were using them as a vehicle (laughs) for the audience to kind of figure this stuff out as well.
1: And I do like the fact that they're trying to retcon some of that by saying, oh, he he was teaching us that to protect us against us. He didn't want us to mess around with the demons. And, of course, there's there's reasons for that if you've watched the show. Like, John was hiding that specifically so that Sam didn't get go to the dark side, as they repeat over and over. Um, it's yes. And I, I like this conversation a lot. Like, I, uh, Sam loses the point kind of midway through, but he starts talking about his experience at Stanford. Is that where and you mean Stanford? Ha- at at Stanford University. Um <laughs> and like the way that uh his father, even though he argued bitterly against it, he still like tried to help Sam and was proud of Sam. Um and then, you know, even though he didn't he wouldn't continue to do that, uh like it gave it gives Sam the idea that his father was wanted them to be better than John was and didn't want them in the life forever. Um and because John is a really messy character and has been written really messily, like that's Both true and untrue at the same time, but also like that's probably if John Winchester was a real dude that I would also be true and untrue at the same time. Like I bet he would really want the boys to have a better life and also like continue to drag them through 18 different schools in a year on his quest to. Hunt down his wife's killer absolutely um so it's it's a pretty complicated thing, and i i it's something I kind of wish we got in the show, like Sam doesn't necessarily sam comes to terms with all of his dad's bullshit, um oh, can we cut on this podcast? I didn't actually ask, I apologize, oh yeah, you're uh, fine <laughs> okay um he doesn't really he comes to terms with his dad's b s but it doesn't I, don't, I think he's like still even to this day has some issues with it, and I'm not caught up to the recent season like I said season eleven so
0: Yeah, my husband and I just finished up season 14. I I don't know the the final season, anything about that yet, but...
2: Oh, I'm in deep denial about there being a final season, so...
0: (laughs) (laughs) so, I was trying to remember back years and years ago when I was a college student how much paperwork my parents had to sign, because... I wasn't
2: smart enough to be a scholarship kid, so I don't
0: know. Yeah, I don't know. He would have been over the age of 18. And I remember having to put down my f- my parents' finances on financial aid to figure out, like, how much they could assist me, which they weren't going to at all anyway. I but,
2: have a feeling, though, that maybe Sam graduated early. Because going from school to school to school, like, maybe he got his GED early.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I just went to a... Uh, ohio university i didn't go to smanford so they might have different rules there
1: (laughs) they have a lot more paperwork at smanford because it's a completely fake university so they have to do they have to act a lot harder to be real so yeah
0: (laughs) so um just this whole
2: conversation between him like i know it's messy and all over the place and i have a lot of issues with the point of it all but i think it 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 was one of the better reflections Mm -hmm. of like you know dean says some stuff in here that's like amazingly mature for a season what two yeah especially for a season two dean who was still in a lot of denial and dealing with some fresh daddy issues
0: Mhm. yeah that last bit that he says before manfred walks down he says you know what i think i think dad's need to fight evil was constantly fighting with his need to keep you and me safe and i think he couldn't win that fight and i think that fight killed him I think that was a really good line to end that conversation on. Well, not
2: only that, but he didn't yell it. And normally in the show, that kind of breakthrough is at the end of an argument between them, and there's yelling, and then then they make up. But it was like it was just in a very soft voice. I'm like, I didn't know Dean could do that.
0: Yeah, because there's (laughs) even talk about him getting angry, and he kind of had to swallow his desire to like yell and blow up. He just kind of calmed himself down, so that was interesting.
1: And also, like it makes me like the book even less. As much as I like this conversation between the two guys, and I wish like the show would do some of this, it's so off character from season two. Dean and Sam, like season two, Dean was not capable of having a conversation with his brother uh, about either his father or his emotions without yelling at something during it. Like this is so, like it. You know, I can believe in a ghost that they're chasing, but I can't believe that Dean Winchester would have this conversation. Even though I like it a lot, (laughs) this
2: conversation was probably. Dean had bought, like, a self-help cassette on anger management. And this was his one chance of doing it. And then he's like, fuck this shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could see <laughs> end of season three Dean saying this. He's kind of a coming to terms with what's going to happen with him. But that's probably the earliest that he really kind of matured some as a character was the end of season three.
2: Well, you know my, my theory on... Their emotional maturity, right? No. Okay, so if you notice in Supernatural, every other season, one of them is the bitch. <laughs> like, basically, one of them fucked up so bad that they are going to be the kicking post or whatever for the rest of the season.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the emotional maturity depends on who is the bitch that season. Pretty much. Because it's like, you guys just went through this. Why are we doing this again?
0: Yeah. mm <laughs> see. So, um, Manfred comes downstairs and he's like, you know, now normally I wouldn't be up this early on a Saturday, but I just remembered something you fellas might want to know about. And we get another description of the mug that he's using. So that's four mugs in this. We have the callback to the Kiss Me I'm Irish and then the three that these guys are drinking from now. Uh, but he tells them about Aldo had had a girlfriend who was a big fan of Queensryche, a blonde named Roxy. So this fits the description of the ghosts that the brothers had seen in Manfred's house back in chapter 9. So with that bit of info delivered, Manfred says, and I quote, Anyhow, I'm going to head upstairs and find me some porn on the internet and talk at you later, fellas. And he goes off upstairs.
2: The humor in the next chapter, like it felt like all of a sudden we had taken another turn. This This whole book is a lot of turns. Where it's like every chapter <laughs> is a new ride on a new type of author. Cause like the next chapter, there's a lot of like toilet humor. Yeah. And I was just like, What?
1: <laughs> the uh this characterization of Manfred is extremely hilarious to me. Like I I've known a lot of like old metalhead hippie guys before. Uh-huh. And it's 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 like relatively accurate, I guess. Like they are just they just don't give a damn, and like they're they kind of do have this weird ability to coast through life and just be like, oh, cool, man. But like the idea of somebody's telling you, yeah, I'm gonna go rent some internet porn and jerk off for a while in my house. See you later. Is just so weird. Like and bad. Please don't do that, folks. That's gross.
0: It's just like a, a little <laughs> bit too far. A little too far.
1: Are either of you Queen Strike fans?
0: I am not. I, not me neither. I don't think I've ever heard them
1: it's I mean it's just it's just bad eighties hair metal or seventies and eighties hair metal, but like i can't I'm just picturing any of the the dudes I knew in the early eighties uh when I was growing up and looking at like teenagers like calling themselves Rikers like this does and i'm just it's just maybe that was a thing, but I can't imagine any of like the metal heads I knew growing up would do that. It just sounds ridiculous
0: <laughs> if they didn't they're kicking Rikers. themselves now <laughs> lost opportunity man
2: there a couple of things. I just, sorry, I just wanted to go over real quick that was, like, very much astray for me of Dean's character. First of all, I refuse to believe that he is a Rush fan.
1: Really? That's I just, why. I,
2: there's just something about, he seems like the kind of person who's, like, you know, like, there's a specific kind of, like, old Rock fan who definitely, they love to make fun of
1: Rush. Sure, sure. Yeah, I guess I could see where you're going because Rush is a little bit more prog rock than a lot of these other guys are that he's, he's jamming out to during all of this. But I don't know, man. I I like Rush so much that I just want to, to like them too. So.
2: <laughs> he's like, you just want him to be a fellow fan. It's just like I don't have like anything against them. I just like my his personality, especially back then with like the you know driver picks music, shotgun chucks with K. Cole kind of.
0: I could see Sam being more into prog rock. Yeah, I think Sam's a Rush fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. definitely. But Anytime
1: there's something for Sam to count, he's going to be into it, whether it's like statistics on a football card um, or like the the amount of weird time signatures and a drum solo that someone does. Like he's he's all into the, the nerdy side of rock. I guarantee you. <laughs> oh, for sure.
0: Hey, any closing thoughts on chapter 11 before we move on to chapter 12? Yeah, he says after the crap dad
2: pulled on his freaking deathbed, I'm not about to defend the son of a bitch. Yeah. What? <laughs> hmm. Wasn't there like four seasons of him defending the son of
0: a bitch? <laughs> yeah, This might have been like too close to the time when his... Because this was right after their dad sold his soul to save his son, right? So mm-hmm. that might be still be too fresh of a wound that he's still kind of dealing with. I don't know.
2: There's a lot of feelings yeah. that they still have to work through.
0: Yeah. And the sad thing is, is
2: they're just so innocent of... Oh. <laughs> The trauma that's going to come their way, yeah so so what do you think of uh the chapter so far since now we're at the end of it,
1: yeah, it's uh you know this is just kind of moving some stuff along and and setting them up to go to check out this this house or whatever, and then it is like i I have to imagine when the c w or uh whoever approached this guy to like write a supernatural book. That they, they they specifically said things of like you know these brothers they like to argue they have like a a dad that neither one of them really get along with like we need to we need to include some of that because it really feels like he wrote scenes and then just copied them and pasted them and then built the framework around it as opposed to writing a book because uh, this brother this this dad conversation comes out of nowhere and it's really out of character like we said before for Dean to. Just have a rational conversation about his father when he's at this point, you know, 2006, however old he is at this point. Uh, but, you know, otherwise, it's just it's it goes pretty quick. So glad we got all the descriptions of the coffee mugs.
0: <laughs> it really does come out of nowhere. It, it was like Sam saying, hey, you remember uh, Detective McBain? dean's like yeah what about her well remember uh ellen and the roadhouse yeah why oh remember when i went to smanford and it just kind of kept going from point to point and finally suddenly we're in the middle of this conversation i'm not quite sure how we got there but and then there's a quick turn at the end where sam starts defending his dad and i'm just like
2: yeah i remember he started doing that after his dad died because i think sam was dealing with a lot of guilt over his daddy issues But it's just kind of like a weird twist at the end of this really long conversation.
0: Yeah, which seems a little too deep to have, like, first thing when they
2: all woke up. That is an
0: end of the episode conversation. Yeah, that's like when the Impala is parked by a bridge somewhere, and they're sitting on the hood and sharing a beer, and one of them has a tear slowly trailing down one cheek. (laughs) Single man tear.
2: one single
0: man here and the tear has to it's uh, what what's that game on a uh the price is right the plinko the 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 tear plinko's its way down the stubble on their cheek are you reading fan fiction (laughs) (laughs) um so let's see oh am i hearing beeping
1: yeah i think i dropped off for just a little bit in that yeah can you guys hear me
0: yeah yeah did you miss my plinko and the t- chin stubble?
1: I 100% did. I'm so sorry. <laughs> my internet blipped.
0: Oh, I had a great line about the tears plinkoing through the chin stubble, and I'm sad that you missed that <laughs> on the first way through.
1: <laughs> I like that. Just bang, bang, going, going. You'll just have to uh, listen
0: to the, the, the final version to get all that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> We're hilarious. We are so <laughs> good, <buddy. laughs> Uh so moving on to chapter 12, uh we're back at the park in rear and oh to Dean's delight, Janine is not there but Jennifer is. Jennifer. Jennifer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jennifer. The
1: uh the amount of casual misogyny that Dean throws out when his conversations or his thinking about Gen- Jennifer is so just Mind-boggling to me. I know it was like 2006, so maybe nobody was woke yet. But like the idea that he's like, "Well, I like her, even though her hips are wider than they should be." Like, Dean, calm the fuck down, dude. Like, what are you talking about? You are a drifter. You're a homeless drifter (laughs) with a good chin. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: he's he's like, "Quote unquote," complimenting her by telling her that she doesn't look like she's in her 30s or uh, what was it? He he shoes his brother off to find a table, and Jennifer says, "What, Dean? You don't like?" don't like hitting on older women in front of witnesses and th- this this bit that like you're saying it's like misogynistic wrapped up in a compliment or something uh dean says i think that's a load of crap and you're really 24 i'm thinking you get hit on by so many losers in here that you pretend to be a single mom to drive them off and that you're really just a hot babe in her 20s who's just fussy okay dean Very fussy who's fussy <sighs> Yeah.
1: Fussy. You're a hot, fussy babe.
2: <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that word used outside of, like, an infant, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, the baby's being fussy.
1: Dean talks a lot, or thinks a lot about, like, the, the approach that he's using on Jennifer uh, throughout this. And the idea that he thinks that calling somebody a hot babe who's fussy would is any sort of kind of endearing term is, is nuts to me. <laughs> like. If I called my wife fussy, it would be like she would be like, "Excuse me? <laughs> what are you talking about?" <laughs> the
2: whole the whole conversation between him and Jennifer which lasts the whole chapter is odd to me because like he has like this weird come to Jesus moment at the end where he's like, "Oh my god, these ladies have feelings and I've just been roaming through and cuz like the the girl, she has that moment of like, "I'm not really into a one-night stand." She's very open and honest yeah. about it.
0: And that's when he was like, oh. Maybe. And Like, he just, like, st- stops
2: dead. But then, like, it's just like, oh, my God. I, I don't think I've ever seen him have that kind of conversation. Like, they wouldn't ever have that in the show, because it would ruin his, like, smoky, blue steel face.
0: Well, there was a mention of... What was her name in the racist truck episode? Cassie? Cassie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a mention of her. So there's a little bit of a... Uh, Again. Yeah. So... Anyway, Dean admits to Jennifer that he's actually just there to talk to Aldo about an old girlfriend named Roxy. And Roxy's like, Roxy Carmichael? And uh, she says, she was older than me. And Dean says, was. And Jennifer corrects it to is and says that they'd broken up a couple of years ago. And Roxy only ever drank ginger ale. So Dean takes the beers to Sam, and they start sitting through Scotzo, covering smoke on the water. Uh, finally, Scotzo's set ends, and Aldo heads to the restroom, and Dean follows. There are only two urinals, so there's a bit of a line. And uh, Dean starts small talk with Aldo and says, Manfred was telling me you used to date someone named Roxy. Said she was a major Riker. I used to know a blonde chick named Roxy who was a Major Riker, and I was wondering if she was the same one.
1: (laughs) Sorry, I just, Major Riker, Jesus Christ, what is this dialogue?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, Aldo says that it could have been he met Roxy at an AA meeting, and he's just received his three-year cake. And I don't know why, but when my first red cake and them being in the bathroom, my first thought was a urinal cake. I it was a, like, I thought they got chips. <laughs> Weren't
1: they called chips? Yeah, they they definitely get chips. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if anybody that ever made it to three years. Maybe they do give them a cake. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you get a cake? I
0: want a cake. <laughs> <laughs> you get your 3 year urinal cake. But, um, but yeah, he says that Rocky had just up and disappeared one day after they'd had a big-ass fight, so he didn't really care. And Dean asks, this fight wasn't at Manfred's house, was it? And all those th- Aldo's like, no, why are you asking all this? So Dean kind of backs off. and Dean doesn't fucking wash his hands.
2: And has a story about
0: it. Yeah, let me, let me, you want to, can you have that? Uh, Yeah, it's bad. Because I'm never going to unread that Dean doesn't wash his hands.
2: Okay, before that, though, they have, there's a whole small paragraph on how much better he feels after going (laughs) to the
0: bathroom. Oh yeah, we can't forget that.
1: I was gonna bring that up because he feels. He says he feels like ten pounds lighter, and I'm like, "What? You had like two beers so far, right? Like, what do you? Like, how many did you knock back a twelve pack at the table with Sam, listening to Scotso, the worst named metal band ever?
2: It's because we're learning so much about Dean. Apparently, he has
0: a bladder the size of a grape, <laughs> and he doesn't fucking wash his hands. <laughs> where Where was that scene? This whole book is TMI. Yeah, uh, let me find yeah,
1: out. Yeah, this. The story – I love I love the joke he tells because it's obviously like one of those real practice jokes about uh, a, a Marine and a Navy that go in. A Marine guy and a Navy guy that walk into a restroom. They both pee. They both – and then the Navy guy goes to wash his hand, and the Marine guy just leaves. And uh, the Navy guy says, oh, well, you know, in the Navy, they teach us to wash our hands. And the Marine guy says, well, in the Marines – they actually teach us not to piss all over ourselves. Yeah. Um, and it's a good joke it until good you realize, joke. like, you're still handling your junk, my man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you still need to wash your hands.
2: I've actually had to have this conversation with a guy before, but it's like, anytime you go into the bathroom, you wash your hands because you've touched a lot of stuff between this time and the last time. <laughs> and it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. So I'm going to have to sit Dean down and have the exact same conversation.
0: Yeah. Like, you can't use a joke. but That is a good joke. You can't use a joke as a guideline for uh, what you should do with your life. But anyway, let's see where we at. So Dean returns to the table, and Sam is chatting with Manfred and Tommy, the drummer. And Tommy. Man, she was a bitch. She was a hot bitch. I'm telling you that right now. I wish I knew what happened to her, man. Because if she wasn't all those old lady, I would have done her in a heartbeat. I'm telling you that right now. Okay. Dean is asking what happened to her, and Manfred said that nobody knows. So pretty much, no one knows what has happened to Roxy.
1: And I think significantly, like they asked, like, "Do you remember how she acted when she would go to Manfred's place of like, Manny, Manny, I wish I could marry someone with a house like this.' I'm surprised, you know." And they're kind of making fun of him about, like, "I'm surprised you didn't propose to her." She was obviously into you, and he's like, "Eh, "I can never date a girl that calls me Manny." Yeah, sure.
0: So I feel like this is a leading up to something. So, Scotzo goes off to start their next set, and Dean and Sam are left sitting there, coming up with theories. And if Aldo killed her, why is she haunting Manfred? And could Manfred have killed her? Which, that's what I want, because I haven't liked Manfred since the uh, the first time we met him.
2: The problem is, I listen to a lot of Dateline. A lot. (laughs) Just because I need stuff to listen to at work, and apparently murder is it. And monster of the week <laughs> you guys don't update daily <laughs>
1: no god that would kill us even even the idea of that just gets, sends me into an anxiety spiral. <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
2: but like I'm, I'm reading this and my brain's like okay so this is like the first twist and then there's gonna be another twist and it's actually this person that's dead and it's like no this is supernatural there's one person they figure it out pretty early on and if it's not that person that's the big reveal halfway through the episode so it's pretty much we know for sure it's going to be this roxy girl yeah. was just now mentioned and like i get we're super early on into it but i feel like she was just kind of thrown in out of the blue like oh by the way
0: yeah i'm kind of curious to see why she is showing up at manfred's house even if he had nothing to do with it, how does she get there?
1: She's she's definitely going to be, and this is just a guess. I haven't read ahead, but she's definitely going to be haunting one of his like mint condition Queen Strike vinyls or something, <laughs> right? Like he stole it from Aldo, and she was haunting the record, ooh, ooh. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like my
2: theory, this is my theory. Okay, so I remember in the early on in the book, they talk about how messy Manfred's house is. I'm I'm thinking that he's a hoarder. And she like tried to sneak in or something, or was there for a party or something, and just a stack of boxes and books just <laughs> fell on her.
0: And she's, and she's in buried the house there somewhere.
1: That's hey, that's a good theory because Manfred's house sounds disgusting, and, and also k- k- kind of cool. Oh God, what if he what if he burned her body and used the bones to make ceramic mugs, and that's where they're all from? Oh, <laughs>
2: that
0: would actually make the book interesting. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, anyway, Dean goes up to the bar and Jennifer asks him if he wants another Brooklyn, but this is the part where she's like, you know, I'm I'm not really into a one night stand. Basically, you are in town, which means you're going to leave town. So I'm not going to waste my energy. And, um, some, for some reason get- getting shot down affects Dean in a way. There's a little joke about her saying, oh, it looks like I just ran over your cat. That joke is used twice in this. Yeah, it, it yeah. Only, it's only- In a
1: space of like six pages, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. excuse me?
0: <laughs> he tries to end it on a funny note by, like, when he goes back to the table, then Sam is the one who says, you look like someone ran over your cat, and uh, the chapter finishes off with Dean drinking his beer.
1: Yeah, this this whole Jennifer situation is written just as, as kind of skeevily as possible. It's either the author is probably, and you know- most guys that write fantasies are bad guys like i hate to say that but like it's true um (laughs) like but either that or like they were he was actually told like oh yeah this is how dean is like the line in here about um him not being able to form a relationship with Cassie because of his lifestyle, uh, because he's a hunter. And that's why he's been focusing all of his sexual energy on young women who are only interested in a one night stand. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, who thinks like that? Who even, like, much less talks, but like, I'm focusing all of my sexual energy on young women. <laughs> like, who? <ew, laughs> stop it. I'm so glad Dean's a virgin in the show. I don't know if you guys have established that, but you know, in, in Monster of the Week, he's clearly a virgin. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about any of this. <clears> he's
0: saving himself for, for Cass hundred (laughs) percent oh man does that make him like a weird offshoot
2: of a nun
1: (laughs) okay hold on because nuns marry jesus and castiel's not jesus but he's a close approximation uh to my personal headcanon for what jesus is so
2: so does that make him like an in-law like
1: yeah, he's definitely he's definitely in the uh, with, what nuns don't have covens. What is a group of nuns? A uh, uh,
0: cloister? Condo. Cloister.
1: That's yeah, that's what I was looking for. Uh so I guess he could live in the cloister and hang out with them, right? <laughs> is that how that
2: works? <laughs> Making very poorly super misogynistic jokes towards them about, you know, how they're married to Jesus while he's also married to Castiel.
0: <laughs> and Castiel just <is laughs> go, Shh, <laughs> don't talk, Dean. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just be quiet. Nobody needs to hear this at all. <laughs> uh that's funny. Yeah, this is a this is a pretty weird chapter of just learning about a character that we haven't heard about for literally half of the book, and presumably that's going to be the ghost. So yay. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm curious if this is gonna end up where the situation with the ghost somehow ties in with the situation with the uh the Poe murders, or if they're gonna be two totally separate storylines. Because usually it seems like in in a book or a movie or whatever, when they have these two separate threads, they end up coming together in a way that nobody expected. No,
2: these are definitely two separate things. I feel like the author needed to fill out a book and he only had two short stories.
1: It's possible. It's absolutely possible. This feels like uh, pretty generic ghostwriting stuff, too. Like, there's no it's it's very surprised to me that you don't get handed the opportunity to write a supernatural novel and you don't like try to do something weird and meta with it and maybe the other books later do or maybe they specifically requested that they not do it but like that's the one of the coolest parts about the TV show is that they're willing to do some meta stuff and to get into some some real funny jokes and like none of that is, exists so far like at least for the half that I've read.
0: Yeah I mean we'll give them the, the benefit of the doubt that this is the first of the licensed novels so he doesn't really have anything, like he, hes the icebreaker. He's the one who's who's starting this out. But, uh,
2: yeah. But I'm also gonna like dig in and say that I'm, I'm putting a lot of this onto when it was written. This is 2006, and a lot, a lot has changed in like, sure, 14 years. However long it's been.
1: Christ, I am so old. <laughs> you have to say 14 years. Oh my God. Yeah, and and there is there's a large aspect of that too, and and again like. There's there's a reason that these books are licensed. There's a reason that you know uh, they they do this stuff. It's because hardcore fans will buy this stuff sight unseen, regardless of the quality, and check it out. Uh, so they they usually get the lowest paid writers that they can, and it's very very rare for these books to be actually good. Like look at all of the Star Wars legend stuff, and how maybe ten percent of that stuff is good. And yeah, you get the same the Star kind of thing. Trek
0: books. There's
2: a lot of Doctor <laughs> mm-hmm. Who books. None of them are good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I have to, okay, I do have to give props to the character of Jennifer, though. She's the only well-rounded character mm-hmm. I think we've had. So I'm thinking maybe the author actually based her off of a real person.
0: Possibly. And we were, uh, Diane and I were talking about how she reminds us of that friend of Bobby's, the seer, who gets her mm-hmm. eyes burned out. She kind of reminds us of that, of her.
1: They uh They met a hunter one time. They were it was right right around the time that Dean was uh meeting up with Kane for the first time and uh I think Castiel was chasing them and they meet like this hunter that had a very Terminator uh vibe to her and uh it reminded she reminded me of her a little bit of just kind of a hard ass that took no took the no go gu- from nobody, that kind of thing. So similar similar vibes, I think. Yeah. Uh, I like I, I like Jennifer a lot. Uh I just, just kinda wish she hadn't been like constantly harassed as like, every interaction with her. Oh yeah, poor thing. <laughs>
0: but and and, uh i had fun imagining janine like since you read it recently you remember janine i see her as Snooky from jersey shore
1: (laughs) oh Snooky. okay i thought you were saying sookie like from true blood (laughs) oh god
2: no Snooky, different Uh, accents uh, much different accents
1: (laughs) sookie i um yeah i could i could go Snooky with you uh i could i could see that happening um I hope that, like, I can't imagine like what Janine is going to do for the rest of the book. Hopefully she's not really in it that much, because uh, all of the, the, the Edgar Allen Post stuff in this actually is intriguing a little bit. Like, the idea of somebody finding what they think is an old spell and it may or may not be fake and like they're still killing people, uh, so you still have to go stop them, or at least that's what Sam says. I think Dean turns that down at some point uh, in the 12 chapters I read today. Uh, <laughs> but it's it, like I, I like that concept a little bit. I just I'm curious to see how awful it's going to be at the end. Like the guy doing that is going to be he's probably the most over dramatic hammy villain that we've seen in Supernatural since like season one. So yeah. I'm kind of curious what happens.
0: Yeah, this is definitely season one, season two material. Not as bad as bugs or anything like that, but uh the episode does not exist. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, any final thoughts? Um I had one and
2: now I've lost it.
1: <laughs> I just don't know how you are how you two are doing this to yourself week after week. Like this seems like it would just like if I had to read because sometimes watching Supernatural is a chore. I love the show to death, uh, but sometimes you get into kind of a bad run of episodes and you're like, oh, Christ, I have to go and like watch Sam and Dean yell at each other about something they could just talk about. Uh, <laughs> but like the idea of doing it with these books is very scary to me. We did the uh, the comic books. I don't know if you guys listen to those episodes. Not but, yet. Uh, no. Those are if you can get your hands on that, like it's a bunch of John Winchester history and it's bonkers <laughs> it is the most crazy weird supernatural stuff and like that's what i was kind of hoping this would be is just because that's not good the comics that we read aren't good but they're just so freaking crazy that you just can't help but like have fun with it and that's what i was hoping for with this and obviously did not get it it just seems kind of bog standard and vaguely misogynistic as supernatural was in season one and two yeah. sometimes
0: again dean was trying way too hard and he uh he was putting up a front that wouldn't come down until he laid eyes on Castiel for the first time. So that's what I'm going to
2: So, like, my only thing is Jennifer has been given, honestly, way too much, quote-unquote, airtime. Because I'm, I'm trying to read this like an episode. And uh, she's, it makes she's- me worry she's going to die. She's yeah. a woman. Oh, kind of yeah, female character. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm.
1: God damn it! <laughs> Didn't even think about that. Yeah, this is supernatural after all. So, like, oh, a likable female character that has her own agency. Fuck. Yeah, let, let's murder her. <laughs> oh dear. Oh,
2: God. <laughs> But to answer, like, your question of how we deal with this, we normally will take a month break in between
0: chapters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know, thankfully like, we don't record week after week, thankfully. It's it's yeah. usually once a month or sometimes twice a month. I think next season we'll probably
2: just record it all and then send it out weekly.
0: Yeah, you can do that. You can just, like, stay here for the weekend. We'll have some, some drinks and just... We're definitely drinking next book.
2: <laughs> We're doing this sober right now. I'm in
1: physical pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah get some g and ts get some uh my favorite gin is bombay sapphire so get get some sapphire tonics going and twist a little lime in there and you'll be you'll be you'll be set to talk about some miserable books, I promise you
0: <laughs> all right well. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Like I said, I don't uh it's it's fun to talk about supernatural stuff that I don't get to talk about all of the time. And yeah, I was as much as I was hoping this book would be a little crazier, it was still, you know, interesting to read and talk about. So thank you very, very much for inviting me and uh having me on.
0: Right, I mean there's still like thirty percent of the book remaining. Maybe it'll blow our socks off, but we can touch these with me the at the end and be like, Did did you read it? Did you survive?
1: <laughs> Are you uh like do you guys both have that same thing where you start a book and even if it's terrible you just have to see it through because it's a book and you can't stop reading it for some reason? Like I I really feel like that's going to happen to me.
0: Yeah, I am that way. It ha- a book has to be absolutely terrible for me to stop reading it like so I, I can do this one. The last book that I read where I'm just like it was so badly written I couldn't go anymore. It was 50 Shades of Grey. Mine was Twilight,
2: but I actually made it to the epilogue before I was like I I if I finish this, I'm going to hate myself forever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey was just all over the news. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll see what all the fuss is. Like some books I need to take a break if
2: like, especially if they're really heavy. So like when I read Ender's Game, there was a lot to digest. Yeah. So I had to like take breaks because I kept getting so mad at the characters that I was like, I need to put you guys in a timeout so that i can think about what you did <laughs> yeah
0: but yeah jeremy i think you can buckle down and, and get this book read and off your plate in a few more hours with a very large gin and <laughs> <laughs> yeah take yourself to a NG- while you do it
1: i think uh i think instead i'm just gonna go have dim sum and some beers with my wife and then we'll see if i get to this at some point today or <laughs> this week <laughs>
0: sounds <way> more fun. <laughs> all right well uh again thank you so much enjoy the rest of your weekend jeremy thanks And, uh, take care. Bye.
1: Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward ending.